What up? Hello? Oh my god, I've got mega static in these headphones, I'm taking them off. Uh, hello and welcome to the debut show of the brand new Fusion Takeover Radio. And this is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Yes, we're back. Let's go! Yes, in the same week where we had Hell in a Cell Carnage and the reunion of The Shield, the proper band is back together. I am the architect of this group, Stephen Wilson. Uh, I am joined by our Roman Reigns, David Hockney. Big dog. And joining us for the first time is Jay. Jay. Gallic. The lunatic beard. We have clearly got Jay in from the streets. <laughs> As we do not even know his name. <laughs> am I the Roman Reigns of the group, though? Why are you the Roman Reigns of the group? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very self-explanatory why you're the Roman Reigns of this group. I'm not the biggest mark in the group. That's, uh, and also I've not got uh, long flowing hair. You know, if anything, mine's fading. Yeah. Where'd you go? I'm back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so yeah, this is the return of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, uh, and we are going to begin our first broadcast back with a bit of a tribute to the falling man. Uh, it's a Mr. Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Mr. Guerrero would have turned 50 this week. Mm-hmm. You can tell us it's very unrehearsed on our first week back here. <laughs> would have turned 50 on Monday, I believe. And I think, uh, well, there was a couple of nods to it, but it wasn't like a full-blown tribute, as it were. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Kalisto won the Cruiserweight Championship this week. And uh, I think he, after the show, he, he dedicated it to, to Eddie. Because, uh, obviously, of the whole Latino heritage link kind of thing. And also his son-in-law, Aidan English, posted quite a moving tribute as well, which is quite quite nice of him. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm completely, out of my, I'm completely <laughs> lost focus here. You want, uh, the, you want the big dog to take over? <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to uh, kick off our first broadcast but with a bit of a tribute to Eddie Guerrero in terms of a what-if type special. So we are going to try and discuss what would have happened if... Eddie had not passed away in 2005. Yep. Obviously, he was apparently scheduled to win the WWE title, so we are going to touch upon pretty much a bit of his history and obviously the what-ifs as what what could have been yeah, in the 12-year career. There's also an article on this subject on our blog page, uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, where we look at the what-ifs of uh, like what Eddie could have got up to if he was alive today and looking at all his past accomplishments before. But yeah, it's... Uh, you can check that and many other blog posts on our uh, WordPress page, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. You check it out. Yeah, so Dave, as you touched upon there, you did a, that blog post on Eddie about two years ago. Yeah, that's right. It was, um, I think it was just one of the first, I think, no, it was the first blog post I ever wrote. And I figured, you know, if we wanted to kick off, we wanted to get like a, a good series going, as it were. So we post hypothetical scenarios of what could happen and maybe we would discuss maybe where it would go and what impact would it have on the business as a whole. So yeah, I primarily looked at, um, because Eddie was pushing, Eddie was 38 years old when he died, so I reckon he still had at least a few a few years left uh, as a full-time performer. Maybe he would go maybe another five, ten years. Given you know his, his health conditions in the past, he was battling addiction, he had uh, some heart issues. Uh, but yeah, I think... First and foremost, I think if he were to retire, he'd probably go straight into a authority angle, or at the very least a backstage trainer. 
because he was like a huge part of the business as a whole, not just himself, but his entire family. I think it's the only, it's probably the biggest name in wrestling aside from probably McMahon. Well, see, we we can't obviously we touch about that, but obviously Eddie was obviously part of the big family in Mexico. Mm. Uh, the Guerrero family were were huge uh, even before the uh, Eddie came about in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, more people are aware of his the heritage of his family of. Uh, with uh, Gory Guerrero, uh, Chavo Classic, and obviously his, his nephew Chavo Guerrero, Ju- Chavo Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. So there was obviously a big heritage, and even goes down to the afterwards his, his, his daughter uh, Sol. She she went into the industry briefly, and obviously as you touched the point, she is married to the current SmackDown superstar in English. English. Yep. So the Guerrero line is huge, but as you say, uh, he w- he would probably have got a good ten years, I would say. Mm. after his retirement I suppose there was the Guerrero sort of went into a kind of authority angle with La Familia in 2008 but that was mostly just Vicky Chavo and Edge as well I mean it kind of worked for a bit but then it just sort of imploded a bit Mm -hmm. so I think could Eddie have been the de facto leader of that uh, group had he had he been still around uh I'm not too sure. I mean, at the point we should put the good point to touch upon is the point where he actually, when he passed away, uh, he was within a title feud with Batista at the yeah. time. Yeah, let's. If we look at the, um, he just come off a world title match with Batista against No Mercy, and I think it was building up to Survivor Series. It was the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown feud, mm-hmm. and the last match he had was against Mr. Kennedy, which he won by disqualification and therefore got into the Survivor Series team. Uh, but then the week after, that's when he died. It yeah. Was, so that was that was pretty tragic. Well, let's kind of touch short. Let's go a bit slow on this, but obviously we are going to more go into the way of what if what would have happened if mm-hmm. he was still alive so let's start off with that team Smackdown versus team raw match that happened in 2005 uh you had obviously he he had qualified for the smackdown team yeah and when he actually passed away he his replacement in the match was randy Orton, who was uh who was actually beaten by Rey mysterio who missed out originally on a qualification because the original team was batista jbl ray mysterio eddie and bobby lashley well, this is where I'm going to open up the thoughts here just to try and get a bit more discussion on this, just to kind of start on this angle. Uh, Randy went in the match. Mm-hmm. Randy was the lone survivor. Uh-huh. And it was the catalyst for the next part of his feud with The Undertaker uh, at the time. Yeah. How would the two years have thought that match would have went if it was Eddie as opposed to Randy? Because obviously... I... Would, would Eddie have been the lone survivor? Would he have... Uh, or would the match have went a bit differently? Or would Team Raw have won that one? I the think... The way it was going. I think so it not the thoughts on that one. I actually think it would have gone the way it was booked to go. Randy being sole survivor in purpose to forward his feud with The Undertaker. Because... But what I see happening, maybe... Maybe Randy would RKO Eddie out of nowhere. Just to, I don't know, like, kind of like what... Dean Ambrose did to AJ Styles this last year I think it was Hmm. so because there's a team where there's feuds already you know there's obviously going to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of tension a little bit of animosity between guys who are on the same side so I think you know Eddie could or Eddie could have been RKO'd out of nowhere and maybe he would have gone with Ray to feud with Kane in the big show rather Hmm. than Batista because the the reason being was that I think Batista was supposed to take time off because he had a lot of injuries uh, piling up so he was supposed to be taken out the picture 
but he went on did Armageddon probably when he shouldn't have yeah so that's that's kind of thing so I'm not too sure sh- I thought probably it would have went a bit differently I mean the thing you kind of look at was that Eddie was due to win the belt and Smackdown the week after he died as well yeah it was the the Tuesday I think we it was Batista versus Randy in a world title match that was meant to be Batista Eddie and Eddie would be winning that mm-hmm. that was the original plan so that meant to be a triple threat uh, oh it might have been well either way it was uh, Eddie was supposed to win that match and Batista would be written off with injury mm-hmm. so then Randy would still be on the team but uh, Eddie would just be team captain I guess so you think it wouldn't have affected the whole five way match no I think Orton would have still come out as sole survivor so and because then like I said before Eddie and Ray went on to face Big Show and Kane and then Randy would have his Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker hmm, interesting but Do you get any thoughts? It's a good point. I don't like what Randy Orton anyway. So I didn't, I didn't like the fact that he went over in that match. I, I'd, I'd have preferred if Eddie was still alive at that time. Because, in my opinion, he would have been the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. Because I just I think that back then, the calibre that he was like he was like head and shoulders above everybody else that was on that at the time. He mm-hmm. was like at the peak, his powers. I think it would have been a good a good angle to see how how that would have left with him standing at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also uh, noting the fact you know we say if Eddie replaced Batista as team captain, then the two team captains would be Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels, which would uh, was rumored to have happened at WrestleMania 22, which would have been the next Mania. That'd have been some. Match. So yeah. Uh, that was uh, one of the other rumoured matches was that his Wrestlemania feud was going to be with HBK rather than HBK and Mr McMahon mm. that would have been a bit more refreshing actually that would have been definitely a bit- I think it would have been one of those sort of brand supremacy matches like because HBK the year before had faced Kurt Angle and lost but I think just for the sheer fact that those two guys were legends of the business I think that would have been an amazing match to see well you look at that one as you said there um, HBK versus uh, Eddie Guerrero that would have been a cross promotional match yeah because there were one was Raw one was Smackdown so how would have if Eddie was going to have the title how would that have actually uh, factored in see that's the thing I think he'd probably have to drop it at some point you know if because if it was Eddie versus HBK then you couldn't could you actually no I suppose you could do a cross promotional match maybe HBK would have won the Rumble but well potential I mean can't really so see. That's the only way you, it could really happen. Well, you have to also think about the the way that would have worked as well. If 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 Eddie had won the belt, you said Batista would have went. Batista would have. Batista went off with an injury in January anyway. Yeah, that's right. And then the world title was decided in a battle royal, which Kurt Angle won. Right. Okay. And then at WrestleMania, Kurt Angle defends the title in a triple threat match against Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio. Well, there's the other point there. How would that? How would that have won? Who would have won the Royal Rumble? Well, the, the first the, the thing about. The, the start of 2006 as you said the Royal Rumble to Wrestlemania was about the Mysterio's rise to, to, for Eddie's honour yes so how would that factor I mean you've got you've got at that point Rey Mysterio who was who rode the wave mm-hmm. I mean some maybe say not on, not on Rey's back but it's quite controversial that they rode the back off of Eddie's name yeah apparently um, PWI Insider rated it as the most disgusting promotional tactic of the year to use Eddie's death for cheap heat. Well, it was essentially cheap heat. I mean, the it, it took uh, <laughs> it took Randy as really 
gave him really major heel heat yeah going into that Wrestlemania match but let's say if if Eddie Eddie had stayed still won the title uh huh and then went on to Wrestlemania mm-hmm. or actually, it's a question of would he have had the belt no. would Angle have still had the belt or would it have had somebody no. else uh, my, my opinion and I'm going to meet Eddie Guerrero soon and no sorry uh, be, that, that, that would be interesting yeah, be, if you that would be interesting if you this has just got dark all of a sudden that's quite an introduction to the, <laughs> the, the Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast I'm yeah, going to meet Eddie soon yeah. <laughs> well at some point uh, I'm going to meet uh, Ray Ray at some point and I think I, I've never liked him I never have um, I think he it's just one of the wrestlers you either love him or hate him I, mm. I hate him I, I, I just don't like the fact that he did get where he was with off of Eddie's death that's my my opinion on it it's, it's always been that way I, I don't think he would have if, if Eddie didn't die he wouldn't have got as successful as he did mm-hmm. and I think that, that that's how he came like such a household name is through that and he rode that wave and it was it wasn't he it wasn't any good in my opinion. Well, in all fairness as well, you know, he said he won the Rumble that, that year, but the year before he was in the Final Four. So I think, I mean, his, his wrestling style is is entertaining. Maybe I, maybe he's just a victim of bad booking. I, I think he's he, he was in that upper mid card. Oh, know, definitely, he wasn't, yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't such a, a main event guy to me. Because he was a little guy. He, I, and he didn't fit into McMahon's uh, poster boy of... Of any dumb like seven foot of big sweaty big sweaty bed. Aye. <laughs> so I mean, he was never going to fit into that anyway. So if you had like, which would have been the cruiserweight, mm. you know, I mean, he would be like the poster boy for that. You see, know. See, in this day and age, though, do you think he would be favoured uh, in today's WWE? Because they seem to be favouring a lot of smaller guys, uh, or or they're at least trying to find a balance between big and small guys. No, I, I still, I, I still think they're trying to just push the big guys. I mean, look, you look at uh, Neville right now. He's asking for his release because he's not going to get anywhere else because he's mm. just going to be. He's been told basically he's, he's, he's a get cruiserweight. Cru- cruiserweight, and he's like, well, no, I see myself as better than that. Same, th- same thing happened to Austin Aries. You know, he said he's better than a cruiserweight. No, well, it's true. These guys are. I mean, there's there's smaller guys that are that are should be in the main event but they're never going to get there because McMahon's still alive yeah one fact as well worth sharing uh, Eddie is a former two time WCW cruiserweight champion yep so that was back in was it 96 97 or somewhere around that time but yeah, yeah he won the cruiserweight championship twice uh, as well as the WWA World Wrestling All-Stars International Cruiserweight Championship so he has competed in the cruiserweight division before but I think that those uh, those weight categories were slightly different because I think they accepted anybody less than two twenty as a cruiserweight, mm. because I think Billy Kidman was around two fifteen, and he was uh, classified as a cruiserweight. And I think Eddie himself was about two twenty, so he was sort of borderline cruiserweight. Well, Eddie, Eddie was one of the pioneers in WCW. Oh, definitely, yeah. Of the whole cruiserweight division, uh, him, Steedo, as you say, Billy Kidman. These are the names who Chris Benoit helped. Uh, Benoit, not so much. Benoit wasn't really a cruiserweight. Dean Malenko was a cruiserweight. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. Uh, Speaking of those two, actually, uh, Pro Wrestling Insider Feud of the Year in ECW in 1995, in when they were in ECW, because he had those two had some classic matches, Eddie and Malenko. Really, I, Malenko was obviously 
a fantastic wrestler in the WWE. Never really transitioned the same way when he went to WWE. Uh huh. Because they didn't want him. That's basically why it is. They they went as the radicals and they were like, nah, we're not going to use you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's the ra- uh, the radicals. Like, yeah. You're like, no, was, why? He was he you probably he was the most technically gifted out of them all. Even probably better than Benoit. You talking them Malenko? Malenko, eh? yeah. Malenko was, was very. What, what was it? That, what was it that held him back? Was it his just just his height? I think it was they thought he was tiny. He just thought he was tiny. Yeah, he was. He was. He was the smallest at all. Well, in all so. fairness, Eddie wasn't that tall, much taller either. In no. fact, he was built as five foot nine. Yeah, I mean, I'm taller than him for crying out loud, and I'm not a tall man. <laughs> but yeah, the Eddie Guerrero, so, no, the, not the Eddie Guerrero. So the Rey Mysterio one is quite an interesting point of how his career would have went mm. if Eddie hadn't. Put, I mean, he was obviously been in the WWE for four about three four years at the time. He uh-huh. was just off of a feud with Eddie. Which he won, which was uh, they were. It was the I'm your papi, you know? That was like yeah, yeah. that was that was like that was like feud of the year. They had some great matches there because the thing they did anything and everything. Great, great matches. Would the you feud- class the, the the ladder match for Domin- Dominic as a good match? <laughs> well, I think the circumstances was uh, was quite poor, but I think the fact that they got to rest, they did it for the sake of wrestling in a ladder match because you know you can get some some really good spots out of it. Mm. And in all fairness, they did, but there was a few botched ones well, as well. If we can. We'll go, when we're on that kind of line as well of people who things that may have changed if Eddie wasn't alive mm. in that match one of the issues that happened in that match was uh, there was the bots running from Eddie's wife Vicky yeah because she took too long and that when she kind of she was meant to come up and he had to kind of sit on the on the on the ladder for a bit longer as well uh-huh. so on the note Vicky Guerrero she obviously around about 2006 as well she started becoming a prominent character on TV and obviously and as excuse me yeah, that, that, that's a terrible impression. I know. They're getting some very bad reactions in the studio for that. They're I don't know what happened. They are absolutely fuming. The, the skills is unbelievable for people watching in, in, in the studio here. But, uh, yeah, so she was about... For, it was about eight years she was a, an on-screen personality. Uh, when was it she left? Was it just before WrestleMania 30? I think she left about 2014, so probably yeah, about... Yeah, she was that, there yeah. for about eight years, I she think. She ditched me in the mud, did she know? Stephanie. Yeah, she threw Stephanie... She has, the last last thing she done she, she threw Stephanie McMahon in a pool of mud or something yeah, yeah first time she was a face for seven years that's weird to think you she know her whole her whole signed tenure with the company was basically a heel right up until that point I mean that's the thing would would Vicky have became an on-screen character if Eddie was still alive I imagine so actually yeah because I mean I don't see why not I mean their their kids were practically grown up they were off doing their own thing and you know I think maybe she like because when she joined, she was managing Chavo for a bit. You know, she was trying to help him get into the United States Championship. Yeah, but picture. that was also after Eddie died. I don't think she, I don't think she would have at all. Because you think about it, she came in. Her and Chavo were part of this whole Mysterio celebration thing. And then obviously Chavo turned the Mysterio, and then she turned with Chavo. Yep. So and then obviously it expanded from there. She was involved with the the Terry Long GM thing. And then obviously grew. She grew as a managerial presence over the years to come, but obviously that cat that the catalyst was simply uh, Eddie's de- uh, her coming about with Eddie's death. I mean, what prominence would she have had on TV without Guerrero passing away? None. I don't. I don't think she would have been on it mm-hmm. at all. I suppose. Oh, well, she could. Maybe she could have still come on as like a, a don't know, a general manager's assistant, perhaps. Or maybe well, that was kind of the. She did take that role at one point in time. I mean, she had the her and Chavo had had the feud with Ray 
her and Ch- her and Chavo broke apart, and then she came back as the the, the assistant to Terry Long. Yeah, that's and right. then that's how she came into she, power, and that's how the La Familia stuff came about. An underhanded tactic she used to get rid of Teddy Long, was it no? She, she kept undermining his authority, and then eventually she, well, she pushed him out. There was eventually, was it not the thing that Te, Teddy took, uh, took the heart attack at his wedding? Another, yeah, another, I remember another, that. Yeah, another, another amazing, another amazing WWE angle. There, WWE's and weddings. Oh. It's just, it's just, just weddings in general. At the, time, right. at the time, though, Teddy Long was a broken record. He was just like arrive, tag team match, leave, and that was it. Holla, holla, holla. Yeah, Play but he's in, the, he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame because um, he was a he was actually a very popular general manager. It started until he started falling into that routine. I mean, before that, he was that right? Right, yeah. and it and after that as well. Between that, it was a manager, was he not, for Mark Henry, yeah. Rodney Mack, and Rodney and Mack, Mark Jazz, Mark Jindrak, a, a who's who of wrestling. Yeah, wrestling he managed so many people. Supremacy but, there, but none of them white. No. Well, Jindrak, well, Jindrak was white. He managed Jindrak. Yeah, briefly Mad before Mad. he became the GM of SmackDown. Uh. But yeah, so as he said, she became his assistant, and then she formed the La Familia stable. Off the back of that with Edge, mm. I mean, you briefly touched upon the the La Familia stuff earlier on. Yeah, it was David Edge, Chavo, Hawkins, and Ryder of all people as well were part of that family. Could you have imagined? You said you could have imagined Eddie as part of that stable. He could have been the leader. I mean, how how would how could you have imagined that angle coming about? I mean, the key thing about the La Familia angle was yeah. it was Edge with Vicky. Yeah. The, the only reason why that was because well, Edge, Edge and that were dating, so that yeah, that, that, that's that, the wouldn't thing. Have, that wouldn't have happened if Eddie was still around. Well, what I mean is, it's like you know, Eddie and Vicky could rule it like the like an authority type angle, right? You know, okay. he Eddie could be like you know SmackDown GM if he retires fully because, and that or maybe he takes on maybe a part time role like what Triple H is doing. Because remember, in two thousand eleven, Triple H was sort of yo yo in between. Uh, competing in matches but also being COO Hmm. you know I think maybe Eddie would have that sort of position because you know back then Triple H you know he had just turned he was in his early 40s back then and by the time we get to 2008 Eddie would have been in his early 40s as well Mm -hmm. so I think the timeline wise it kind of it kind of works in a way you know maybe uh, Eddie could have done like you know being offered a managerial post but at the same time wrestles on a part-time basis given his health conditions and stuff mm-hmm. yeah but again on the vi- oh, you, you talk about him being with Vicky but again we'll come back to the point that Vicky was only really on air that brief one with this whole Mysterio Dominic thing mm. and that was this whole family thing that was all, that was apparently because it was kind of like a family type friends angle yeah again if you're talking about Eddie and Vicky being as a combination where does Vicky come in with WWE I mean if you're a guy on the WWE writing staff and you've seen the one real thing she's had to do on TV before that was to come out and push a ladder on time <laughs> and she couldn't even do that I mean if Eddie was still alive what really reason could they have had for bringing her back because at the time she probably it was probably she was probably only really again brought in because of Eddie's death right which is which is, again you could probably still run the La Familia angle you know he just be the patriarch he brings Chavo in he brings Hawkins and Ryder in you know just as a up and coming tag again, team the thing about that is the Hawkins and Ryder thing only came in because they looked like Edge they were Edgeheads they were meant to be the thing like they the uh, reason I, they came about was they kind of they came into the, the match they interfered in the match because they looked like Edge what if they had like they don't really look like Eddie I mean they have to like shape the, cut their hair and grow a bit of a Mexican or beard and what if they had like a, a luchador tag team perhaps right okay 
you know, maybe they, they could have come in instead of Hawkins and Ryder. But, you know, I'm thinking 2008, were there any luchador tag teams at the time? Probably in Mexico. <laughs> They'd have probably had to find someone. Yeah, because it was before, like, Sincara and Kalisto showed up, so that was that you could rule that out. That's the thing, because you didn't really have... WWE, for the last 10 years, have been continuously, other than Rey Mysterio, looking for this next Mexican star to break into that one. They tried it with the Rio, it didn't work. Because he was pushed to the moon too quickly. They've tried it Gender. Brief- Gender. Well, they tried it quickly, but you, we're not talking about gender today. Hey, okay, sorry. We're going to give you a gender, a gender hour and a half, and just <laughs> rant about gender. Uh, <laughs> and then we had the, there was Kalisto as well, was to try to push him with the US title. Yeah, flopped again. And then they're trying with Kalisto again. Spoiler alert! If you've then, not seen Raw, the, they had that big stable as well. The the, the Mexican stable was it? Mexicos. The Mexicos. I. You had the him that came out in the, the. Oh, actually, the, here you might be onto something name, there. What's his name? Him with the. That was psychosis and super what crazy. That, that boy had so much talent; it was unbelievable. He was a two-time cruiserweight champion, though, so we give him props for that. Like, wait, was the three of them on WCW? No, the. Psychosis and Super Crazy. No, Hoventood oh, on right, WCW Hoventood. between '98 and then 2001, when the cruiserweights were getting prominence on that uh, show, they were they were right up there. Super Crazy was in ECW, and he was throwing himself off the Hammerstein Ballroom every yeah. moment, every week. You know, he was at um, Shug's house party uh, about a couple yep. of months back. Still and got it. Yeah, he's uh, he was up against Jody Fleisch and Wolfgang. Both of them were actually really good matches. He's He's insane, but the point, the kind of point is on. You've obviously they're the one Mexican team in WWE that we've really seen in the past decade. Uh, you know what? They had, they had left at the point. They had left. They left about two thousand and six. Well, Hoventude left for a bit, and then but Psychosis and Super Crazy stuck around for a bit longer. Yeah, but Psychosis was gone in two thousand and six. Yeah, but Super Crazy stayed about. Yeah, and he went. He I don't know what the heck he was doing. Like he, at one point, he was tag teaming with Hacksaw Jim Duggan as well. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Was he actually? It was. Check New Year's Revolution 2007 or 2006, I believe. But yeah, he was drafted to Raw and he ends up just tag teaming with Hacksaw. You're the only man I know that can quote a match from a New Year's Revolution that's not an Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a cash in. That's why I'm the analyst here. I know all my stats. That's why you're also the Roman Reigns of this group. Because uh, <laughs> I offer uh, divided opinions. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Uh, but yeah, back to the back to the back to the Mexico back to the Mexicos. Mexicos stopped being a thing around about two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Uh-huh. Would they have found a way towards Eddie again? Probably. Uh, I mean, create a new Latino World Order, perhaps. Where was Hoventud in the uh, Latino World Order in WCW? I can't really. Remember. I don't really know. I'm not I'm really not sure. sure. I couldn't really tell. I know really Eddie was in it, but the only real. There was a there was a certain line. I mean, the only real ones you could really patch Eddie with was Chavo and Mysterio. Mm. And I don't know how cred- Mysterio was wouldn't have been a credible heel. I'd assume it would have been a heel stable if it was kind of like the La Familia. Uh, but could you see Mysterio as a heel though? Because I don't think, as far as I can recall, throughout Rey Mysterio's entire career, he's never been a heel. I, I think he would just look out of place. I think he was a heel briefly in two thousand WCW. And he okay. looked, but it looked, it didn't really work well because of he's just not really convincing in that type of role. So, yeah. So I, I don't really think he would have worked as a heel. So you would have had him and Javo, and you mm. would have essentially had lie, cheat, and steal again. Uh huh. Well, I like the whole lie, cheat, and steal mantra. That was like the best thing about his character. It was that was that was a great part of it. And 
but obviously once he went heel you couldn't really continue it mm. because he went with that whole uh, but even when he was a face you know he worked it really well he was like you know being sneaky in matches and stuff you know he brings in weapons pretends the other guy hit him with a chair or kind of that kind of thing you know it was people loved him for it you know it wasn't like would you call it heel tactics or would you just call it like having a bit of a laugh uh, it was hard to tell it was really just uh, uh, a bit of a laugh at times it wouldn't really work the same as a heel because he was obviously doing I, the fake yeah. down I remember watching all of his ma- like a lot of his matches because I started watching in like 2004 the first match I saw was uh, him versus JBL in the steel cage match for the title and after that when I start, saw him doing the sort of lie cheat steel stuff against Kurt Angle I was laughing my, laughing my head off I was entertained by it not just like in awe of how good he was in the ring mm-hmm. you know he had a he had that character behind him it was brilliant the one where he done that one with Ken Anderson yeah yeah like that was his cra- last ever match crashed his, he crashed the thing and then just lay down you see him howling he's yeah like, he's just like <laughs> best way to win a match ever like, yeah so you kind of go but we'll go back onto the you, we talked about Laugh Amelia then we'll go back to the angle on Vicky because obviously it's a bit of a split debate on is she would she have been there if Eddie had passed didn't die uh, but let's imagine for example she wasn't she wouldn't have been and we then go to how when she eventually became a manager who she managed over that time you look at you've got names obviously Eddie's in there uh, Lacool were in there uh, of course Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger oh so are you it? forgetting somebody though uh, what Eric Escobar yep you got him <laughs> so they, I, I thought, I thought what you would, actually happened to that guy he basically he quali- his first match he qualified for the bragging right the Smackdown bragging rights team was replaced and then just went into obscurity yeah he pretty much they realised he was no good and they got rid of him uh, but those the main the, those ones are named mostly Edge Lake Le- Cool Dolph and Swagger well maybe Swagger we'll, go, we'll put Swagger in that bracket yeah. they benefited greatly Dolph especially from Vicky's presence yeah I mean before Dolph Vi- was United States champion mostly when he had her well around. the thing about Dolph was Dolph was kind of floating in irrelevance at the point where before he was with Vicky and then Vicky escalated them up to the main level that he became if obviously she wasn't there what would have became of all those ones I mentioned I mean would they have had the same impact I mean Edge was a multiple time champion during La Familia uh, Le Cool became the staple of the women's division obviously Dolph went on to become one of the top guys on the roster I mean would they have got to the same level would Dolph have, would Dolph have still been about today I'm not so sure see I think Vicky was a huge catalyst in their push I but think Edge Edge was already going to be like in the main event anyway so uh, Edge is the only one that you can say without Vicky would have would have made it anyway. But mm-hmm. people like Dolph without Vicky does not Dolph. You mm-hmm. know they they basic she basically made them in that that bracket. She bettered his promos and stuff like that as well because he was like the the dancing cheerleader at one point. Mm-hmm. Remember that that thing and then he disappeared and then he came back as Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, when he came back like that, that was that was he never really went anywhere. Mm-hmm. He had that thing where he came back and he was just walking about shaking people's hands and yeah. introducing himself. He briefly uh, he went with Maria, I think, at one point, mm-hmm. and he had he was fight he feuded with Mysterio for the belt, mm-hmm. but it kind of didn't. Really, it got to a point it didn't really go anywhere. Obviously, didn't win the belt. Well, yeah. in all fairness, though, there were some really good matches. I think they were just too scared to pull the trigger with Ziggler at that point because he was still a fresh face at the time. I yeah, but Vicky took them to that extra level. I think the thing that you you know you you need to look at it as well is. 
when they two got together, everybody hated him, and that's that gave him instant heat. Mm. You know, like that's the one thing that Vicky brought was was that instant heat because everybody hated her. So they gave they gave there was a lot of eyes on them, and then they got talking about that person. Mm-hmm. So you look at it for that angle. I mean, yeah. She made him. I mean, mm. the the spell he was with uh, Vicky. You were looking about oh, three years spell between two thousand ten and early, well, maybe late two thousand and twelve, where she where he aligned himself with AJ and Biggie. I mean, that spell he was with her. He was, well, I think he won multiple US IC titles, and he obviously won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Yeah, he had feuds with uh, Kofi Kingston and uh, Evan Bourne. Who else was it with? Uh, tons of feuds, tons of Zack Ryder as well. That was we could, a huge one. Well, we could be here all day with his feuds, you know. But would they? Obviously, we didn't think he would be there. Would he have got anywhere, or would he? Would we be seeing him in Japan right now? Would he be somewhere like the TNA? To be honest, I think since you've just mentioned all that, I think without Vicky, I think they wouldn't have got to where all those people you mentioned. They wouldn't have got to where you where they are or where rather. Uh, yeah, so the the other one we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uh, is the Lay Cool Stable. You know, uh, that's uh, Michelle McCool and Layla. Uh, they obviously were about for a couple of years, but they, the point where they aligned themselves with Vicky is what made them into real, real big heat. You know, mm. and it made that they, they pretty much dominated the Divas Division for a good year or so. Uh, do you think they would have still achieved the same success? I mean, they were doing not bad without Vicky, but. I think Lee Cool might have been okay actually because yeah you know like you said they had the whole mean girls type attitude and they were really good at generating heat by themselves but not like Vicky levels of heat Mm -hmm. I think maybe if they kept it going and they just kept upping the ante all the time uh, you know maybe they would get maybe they would they would be alright although I think the most distasteful one was the, the whole Piggy James angle yeah that was pretty bad I mean yeah. I'm, su- I'm surprised she came back after that I'm mm. surprised I'm oh, very very surprised that she came back again another most disgusting promotional tactic of the year in 2009 I believe right yeah it was pretty bad so yeah so Vicky's obviously a big part in this whole so it would have completely changed the landscape without Vicky I'd say for the next for oh, that 8 year spell that she was in charge so her and Mysterio obviously they were the big changes obviously on that type of one uh-huh would you what about said? Chavo though I mean he he ended up winning the ECW Ch- championship as Chavo well. is a very Chavo could have been better than what he was but I think Chavo was pretty silly in how he went about things I mean the thing about Chavo is a couple of years after he did, he got a drug violation I think I believe in the wellness policy R- yeah it does sound does seem to ring a bell I think Chavo's one was a lot because he got a big push after Eddie died I mean he beat JBL on an episode of Smackdown do you see where he was um, before Eddie's death just before it remember what he was oh he was Kevin White Kevin White the yeah. uh, the very uh, pro what was it what was his what was Kermit White actually? I think he was a golf. It was, was just a very very vanilla character. I think. Vi- yeah, he was like a a guy that played golf all the time, and he just didn't like. He represented white America basically. Oh yeah, I guess who was his caddy as well? Oh, well, that was a very very good point. Yeah, Dolph a very was young Nick Nemeth, aka Dolph Ziggler. 
See, it all ties together. Yeah. This whole thing ties together. We found crazy, a, right? We found a, an infinite loop here on our, our, our conversation. Speaking of what we've been talking about so far, we've had there has been some comments from people listening. Oh, they've been uh, listening. Aye. Well, all from all from my Mr. Josh Hong, a few of them. <laughs> we'll find this quite funny. Josh says, um, "Who is the other speaker that has suddenly made an appearance? Is this like some surprise debut?" It is a surprise <laughs> debut, Josh. Uh, thanks for mentioning. Uh, there is no way Eddie was was big because of Ed. No, Ray was big because of Eddie. Uh, it has to be a bam up. It has to be a what up? It has to be a bam up. A noise up. All right. And then he said, "Then he then he says, I need to go. I can't watch anymore. <laughs> I can't listen anymore." <laughs> oh, be a, harsh. Must be a. Um, well, let's not talk about that. We'll be here all day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's obviously what we're kind of we've kind of touched upon these type of things that would have happened. These people who could have directly affected by the Eddie's uh, his death. But let's go back. To, let's let's go back to what you were speaking about earlier on, David. The the match with Shawn Michaels. It could have been. Mm. Was this all? But I've I've not really heard. I've never heard this one before. Was this confirmed, uh, or was it, this kind of like floated about? It was floated about numerous sources, but I don't know if it was properly confirmed because you know like you said you um the whole idea of the sports entertainment industry is to not like you know give away your bookings in advance mm-hmm. or tease i mean you can tease stuff but you can't say like unless it's like seen on the rock you can't say like and next year we'll have eddie versus hbk or whatever yeah but you, obviously that was kind of floated about but let's kind of go back to what we're talking about how things could have potentially changed mm. Eddie was potentially booked like after this. the match as well were. let's go with, let's go well, we'll go with this one first Eddie was obviously you said he was penciled in to fight with Sean yes um, but obviously Sean ended up feuding with the McMahons uh-huh. which obviously which went on to lead to the reunion of D-Generation X mm-hmm. obviously if he'd feuded with Sean Sean wouldn't have feuded with Vince and this whole thing wouldn't have happened how would this have affected that side of the brand? I mean, obviously, we've really only talked about the SmackDown side. Mm. I mean, the effects would have, could have been that um, Triple H would have stayed heel. Uh, he may have feared to be seen a longer. Uh, things could have changed on that one. I mean, what would have, ha- what would have ha- happened when those type of things? Would we have seen things like, would Sean have eventually feuded with Vince? Would the DX have re- reunited? I mean, you know, mm. it was quite a lacklustre reunion for D-Generation X for that uh, six-month spell. It wasn't exactly... I mean, you remember the Backlash match? Like, God. Yeah. I'd like to forget that. Shawn Michaels and God versus Vince and Shane in a no-holds-barred match. I would kind of like to... I would like to forget that. <laughs> I mean, the one good thing that came out of that ma- that feud was Vince and Shawn put on a very good match at Mania that uh-huh. year. Granted, uh, it wasn't a one-on-one match, but, but obviously, this, how would things have how would have how would things have went on that side of? Well, the SummerSlam build-up, you had DX versus the McMahons. Now that sounds like a SummerSlam program in its own. But mm-hmm. then again, they also had the handicap Hell in a Cell match afterwards, which I think the Hell in a Cell would have been much suited to the SummerSlam. I think, right. you know, you know, you can get the Big Show involved. You go, they could be the McMahon's enforcer, as it were. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think maybe with the build-up between Eddie and Sean, you know, it could be like it had to maybe been either for the title or it could be like a brand supremacy match, right? You know, maybe because they both had um, they have actually got quite a bit in common those two because both of them had been uh, sort of delving in and out of uh, addiction in the past, but then they both turned their lives around, mm-hmm. like you know, Sean becoming a uh, born again Christian Eddie eliminating all his uh, demons with drugs and alcohol and whatever you know maybe it could be like 
<laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit far-fetched, but, you know, it could be like, who leads the better lifestyle, who's the better role model, perhaps. You know, mm. who's the better... Or maybe just simply, who's the better in-ring performer? Yeah, but again, you're kind of talking about the actual match. I'm talking about the... not. We're not really talking about that one. We're talking about how the other things that could have that happened would have been affected to mean... What would have happened with the McMahons? What would have happened with DX? Vince uh, screws over Sean, perhaps? Or maybe so you, the day after? So you think that... So maybe Eddie beats HBK. Vince comes out the next day and says, HBK, you're a disappointment, you're a failure. And then... It, it, that's when it starts the whole thing. Well, here's a, here's a potential thing. Here's a potential way it could have went. I mean, things could have stayed the same, other than the fact that instead of Vince fighting Sean, no, Vince fighting Sean, Vince gets Eddie to fight Sean on his behalf. But then Eddie would, uh, by default, be treated as the heel, because obviously Vince well, was a heel at the time. You got it. At the point in time in two, late two thousand and five, when he passed away, he was a heel. Technically, he was. Well, he was. Uh, Mm. The point it was, was debatable because well, he was sort of in the middle of a face turn again. It was a slow burning face turn. Well, dirt sheet rumors say mm. that his face turn, his face turn was just to get him in with the title picture. And when he was when he won the belt, he was going to be heel still. Right. So it was the face thing was just tried was just to kind of like a ruse type idea. Okay. Thing is, thing is, with Guerrero, if you look at it, he always done heel tactics. He was it never. He was never total like face. It mm. was only because he was so over with the crowd that it was. He was more seen as a face. I always seen Guerrero as the heel. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure he does heel tactics and everything, but you know the way he sort of pulls it off, he does it as if it were a face. You know, trying to use a heel's tactics against them, kind of thing. You know, it wasn't full blown. He does it with animosity or like a, that an opportunistic edge in his eyes. You know, he goes out there just. Uh, try and be a bit silly, have a laugh and stuff. You know, that's kind of the thing you'd see a face do, despite it being a heel tactic. So I think he sort of blurred the lines between the tactics he used a bit, in a way. Yeah, so it's, it was a bit like... he was. I'd, I'd say he was a heel in that way, but he was always kind of... He did have that heel-type aspect to him, so... I think he would. I think it kind of could have worked. I mean, with him helping Vince, but I'm not really sh- too sure. I mean, I don't know your thoughts on it. Mm. I mean, no, the the thing about that was, in it could have been Sean could have beat Eddie in that match. I mean, Eddie could have turned face after it. You never mm-hmm. know. And then we would have had the. It would have just went as it was. You would have had Vince versus the God match and that type of stuff. Uh-huh. So it's hard to tell how it would have went, but. Here's something that's just cropped into my head. Um, you know, Eddie versus HBK would be the proper, would be a good dream match. Mm-hmm. Can we think of like any other dream opponents? Well, what I'm going to say is, let's take a week, let's take a quick two minutes. We'll, and then after that, we'll come back yep, and sure we will we will discuss potential dream matches. Obviously, you talked about this a bit more. Dream opponents, dream yeah, opponents. that's what I was thinking. So, so we'll be we're going to take a quick short break, but we'll be back. But while we do that, here's a bit of the, one of the legendary promos of Eddie and Chavo. He's Chavo De Los Guerreros Viva la raza De la Echidon Steel Hey Holmes Looks like you guys need some golfing partners Simone, I was watching your swing I think your four swing is causing a slice in your hook It's just like Okay guys, the joke's over 
kitchen's back at the lodge. We'll see you there at the next turn. Yes, I believe I'll be having the pate fajitas this afternoon. Oh, I believe you're gonna be having my fist down your throat. ASA, a three iron isn't only good for hitting golf balls, you know. Today, we're gonna be your partners whether you like it or not. You know, guys, I, I was just commenting to Warner here that a foursome is just what we need. A foursome? Oh, man. <laughs> you guys are sick. We're here to play golf. Yeah. Why don't you perverts just keep that to yourself, okay? Hey, uh, what do you say to a little wager here? Winner takes all. <laughs> you guys got yourself a deal. Take your best shot. That's it. I will, man. Step back, Colts. Told you home, son. Come on now, pay up. Orale, mochate. Yeah, thank you. Come on, keep it coming. We yeah. said winner takes all. Simone said. Come on, that's the not watch. all. Yeah. The keys. What else you got? Come on, all. Give me that. Orale, say. We got. Yeah. Thank you. Five minutes until next tea time. If you're not cheating, you're. And we are back. That was one of the classic promos from old times. Eddie and Chavo playing some golf. The lie, cheat, steal promo. No, oh, it was called. They, they had a great spell of promos at that point in time. I would yeah, say. Well, they were teaming as Los Guerreros, and they were part of the SmackDown Six. Yeah, uh, that was that was amazing. Can we briefly talk about the SmackDown Six? Yeah, let's do it. About Eddie Guerrero. What a great spell in SmackDown history that a was. A lot of big names, you know, came to prominence out of the SmackDown Six because you had Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit. Edge, Rey Mysterio, and of course Los Guerreros. I mean, it's it's, it's a stellar list of uh, Hall of Famers, other than Chavo. Yeah, half, <laughs> of are, half of them are Hall of Famers already. I mean, before we go into that, we're going to talk about potential, potential future dream matches. I mean, we, we, we all watched Eddie perform. Do we have our favourite Eddie match? Uh, well, I, I wrote this as part of my top 10 WWE matches ever. Uh, and I'll never forget the first match I saw, which is, I mentioned it before, Eddie Guerrero versus JBL in the Steel Cage match for the title, where he did the frog splash off the cage. That was the first OMG moment of uh, me watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. That was a, yeah, I like that. Do you get any favourites? <laughs> I thought he's, I like... Did he only have one match with Lesnar? I liked his, his No Way Out match. I enjoyed his No Way Out match with, with Brock. It had a, quite a lot to it. it had, you had Goldberg involved in that as well. It was pretty... I, it had the surprise factor as well that you didn't think Eddie was going to beat him. Because it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly the Lesnar of now who was very completely dominant force. But it, did, it was, obviously. Can you imagine if it was Lesnar now that was facing Eddie back then? You know, how... How do you think that would have gone? Hmm... 
I think he may have not got the same amount of elf offense in. Eddie would have been the uh, would have been able to visit Suplex City. I don't know if it would have, I don't think it would have went 20 minutes. That match went on for a good 20, 30 minutes. I can't think of a 20 minute where it is in a match. Yeah, I suppose Lesnar style One on one, well. anyway. One on one. Yeah, Lesnar style changed as well because I know obviously back then he was more of a WWE superstar than. Whereas nowadays he's more MMA fighter style. Indeed. Indeed. Just Big sweaty man. So anyway, in case you've just tuned in, this is the first you eat sleep suplex retweet as part of fusion takeover yep so this is the debut show on the you fusion takeover radio station a spin-off of strathclyde fusion radio uh, founded by fusion alumni we're open to all people so if you're listening and you want to get involved with community volunteer radio please let us know we are going to be on 15 hours a week uh, you'll have eat sleep suplex retweet and um, we'll also have some Nice chill out music which will be following us after the show. And we've also got the late night chat with Kwaku. Yep. <laughs> That's gonna be a treat on a Monday night. I so would, pl- I highly recommend it. Plenty of content to look forward to, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not you know, we were playing the Usos theme there just now. I'm surprised uh, he's not wearing his uh down since day one ish shirt today. <laughs> well, considering how often you wore it, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I do have quackings. Yeah, 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 Ayos. Let's welcome these folks to the Uso Penitent. <laughs> <laughs> Uso's new day at Hell in a Cell, by the way. If you've not seen it, watch it. Great match. No, don't just watch that match. Watch every match they've had in the, in the past four months. It's arguably feud of the year right now. Anyway, let's exit the Uso Penitentiary. Let's get back to what we're talking about. We are we have been profiling the late great Eddie Guerrero as this week he would have been turning the big fifty. Uh, sadly, obviously Eddie passed away in two thousand and five. So we've talked about how his death has impacted people indirectly, uh, from the likes of Rey Mysterio to Dolph Ziggler. And uh, now we're going to try and go into kind of what would have happened. What could have happened? I mean, obviously, in the 13 years, or 12 years, sorry, since Eddie's passed away, there's been a great amount of wrestlers produced, not just in WWE, but in New Japan, even across the UK. Um, let's, let's talk about the potential dream matches that we could have seen but never seen. Uh, I'm going to start the subject indirectly by referring again to Mr. Hockney, who um, did a, a blog on what if Eddie Guerrero would die in 2015 he did that yeah I mentioned one opponent uh, yeah, that's, that, the one, that's the one I'm going to come that's the yeah, one I'm coming to no, I, I, was, I was literally just about to say I think if there's anybody I think he could have literally the best feud with in terms of promos and wrestling skills it would be this guy yeah so the the, the wrestler Dave is referring to is the cult of personality himself Mr. CM Punk yeah uh, David obviously kind of talks and he's, if you've not read David's blog on this one, it's a good read. You can get it on the Eat Sleep Suplex re- Retweet WordPress. So that's eatsleepsuplexretweet.wordpress.com. Blog of the day. Uh, so um, he obviously talks about it kind of being like a, a passing of the torch. And it was kind of similar to the feud that Punk had with Hardy and the different lifestyles. I mean, because, yeah, because uh, Punk was obviously very much straight edge lifestyle. No alcohol, no drugs, no smoking. But obviously Eddie has some rather bad history with a number of those things. So you couldn't, I don't think you could get much more polar opposites uh, for a feud than these two. Mm-hmm. One that's had history of battling addiction, drugs and whatever. Whereas CM Punk has done none of that whatsoever. He goes into straight edge society 
uh, you know, straight edge society Jesus type figure and promotes the the clean the clean lifestyle, and he would just decimate Eddie in these promos. Uh-huh. So in terms of the actual match, I mean, how do you think the match would have went between the two of them? I mean, Te- two words: technical masterclass. You think? Yeah. I mean. This was obvious. This is around about the point. This you did this blog at the point where Punk walked out. I said, no, yeah. not about a year after they walked out. You I'd know, be so. tempted to say, you know, this could be, it's WrestleMania worthy, in my opinion, and I think it could potentially because, I think maybe it could maybe be Eddie's retirement match. Right. You know, Eddie would have one last great match at WrestleMania. He'd put over a new upcoming talent, and Punk would get major heel heat because of it, because he would be. I, I would see Punk as the heel in this feud. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's open it up. I mean, what's the thoughts on that one? Uh, you think it would have, you think, you agree with, do you agree with Dave on that one? Aye. I think, the, I think the best part of it would be, like, I mean, Punk is, and always has been, a great technical wrestler. It's just, WWE never used him. Mm-hmm. And it took him, what, about 10 years before he even got, like... Six years, actually. Yeah, because... He arrived the ECW in 2006. It wasn't until the pipe bomb went off that, you know, he started getting main event feuds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it would have been quite an interesting one to kind of see. Obviously, if Eddie was kind of towards the end of his career, it could have obviously, as you said, it could have yeah. took um, CM Punk off. I mean, I'm going to kind of go a bit of a twist on my, on my next suggestion for a dream match for him. Um, Dolph Ziggler. We've talked about Dolph earlier in the pro, earlier in the, the podcast, earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, Dolph is very technically sound. You know. I mean. Oh, oh imagine here. Imagine mm. if Vicky was managing Dolph. Well, that's 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 kind of the thing. I mean, obviously, let's we'll go with the prospect that Vicky does go on to manage Dolph. While yeah, there. and then Eddie I mean, faces Dolph with that's, Vicky being that, on the other side. That writes itself. You that know? yeah, that'd be an interesting dynamic. It kind of sounds like uh, Triple H Jericho. Uh, who is being managed by Stephanie? Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that kind of, I think that that feud was just poorly booked. It was more focused on Stephanie than it was uh, Triple H and Jericho, which is kind of what let it down a bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think if they focused more on Eddie and Ziggler, but just have Vicky as the heat magnet, it it has potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would kind of go down quite. But the other one, kind of, I think speaks a great one on him uh, Daniel Bryan's another one I'd say kind of Absolutely. would fall in that one but there is a lot of good ones in that the kind of the two names I think deserve a bit of credit on it you got Daniel Bryan and from that same era uh, he's now he's, well you got Punk but he's now also he's now a commentator on um, NXT Nigel McGuinness mm, that's a bit of a curveball that is a curveball but they if you kind of think about it back at the point where um, Bryan was in Ring of Honor him and McGuinness would tear up the house every, every night they, they fought uh-huh great technical I mean Nigel McGuinness uh, famously or maybe infamously now got a win on his first TNA pay-per-view against Kurt Angle oh, put, on a yes. crack, put on a cracking match so if you look at that we mean Eddie, I think on, Ed- that, on that note now that we're sort of focusing more on indie talents well, I think there is one person I would maybe more than CM Punk would want to see Eddie face go for and it and that is Shinsuke Nakamura I love how you go with indie talent and you pick a guy in WWE right now. Well, well, he's had, he's had New Japan and stuff. That's what he's best known for. But, but you know, he's indie sort of as he was before. You get the point, right? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so how? I mean, I don't. Um, obviously, Nakamura's a great 
great talent. I think he's brilliant. I think he's, he's been poorly done since he's been called up. Uh, I don't know if the hard-hitting style would go with Eddie. I don't know if it really mash. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it's... Well, I mean... I mean, if you're kind of looking at the JBL's a hard-hitting style, and he, did not, he, he put on good matches with JBL, you know. Aha. Uh-huh. So... But that was more sort of uh, brawler powerhouse style. Was it strong style though? Well, strong style wasn't really a thing until Naka- Nakamura pioneered the strong style. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm not I'm not too sure on that one. I'm not really sure if that would actually. Work. It pains me to say. I mean, I, I personally thought Nakamura could put in a good match with anybody until I seen him fight Jinder Mahal. Uh, <laughs> and then and now who's bringing up Jinder? Let's not go there. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll put our podcast aside for gender, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the thing you kind of look at. I mean, I don't know if it kind of worked with Wyshynski. I mean, if you are talking about people who used to be on the the indie circuit, AJ Styles comes up. Oh yeah, I think that would br- p- tear the house down. Um, AJ, Eddie AJ Styles would be an excellent match. I mean, you kind of you don't even need to look at singles matches. You can look at the tag matches. I mean, we, we did the, we talked the Usos there. You could have put Eddie and Chavo against the Usos. All right. Oh, there, there's another one. about Los Guerreros versus uh, tag teams. Yeah. I mean, sp- like Usos. some tag teams. Who are we gonna who are we gonna have? I mean, obviously the Usos is one. The New Day. New Day is one. If we're gonna go U Japan, we got the Bucks. Um, um, the Revival. I I think that would be brilliant. Because you know the Revival. You know they're very much classic down-to-earth wrestling style you know back to basics type mm-hmm. and you know the Guerreros you know they go far back as what 70s 80s you know they were very much back to basics wrestling as well at some point or another well War Machine or Polo Promotions yeah yeah let's, 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 not, let's not just open up to, to the UK and Japan I mean the, po- the War Machine are great War Machine could yeah uh-huh. they are they're, a, they're a great example of a team who can do the bit of high flying and power which would be quite an interesting combination against the Los Guerreros. Did Los Guerreros ever face the Hardy Boys at all? I, I think no, that was Hardys had broke up at that point. Right, because I, I don't know because Jeff was in TNA actually when they, they were at their height. Yeah, so I don't think that ever happened. That would probably that would be Los a great Guerreros match. versus the Hardys would be interesting. That would be a good one. The Polo Promotions one as well. That that would be a, that would be a good one. Polo, Polo Promotions versus anybody's a good match. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. You can only see them fight bird and board so many times. Bird, is this chair is this so Stacey we're talking to here? <laughs> no, it's like, you, you, if you're thinking of Stacey as a polo mark, then you've not seen nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine putting the two of you in the same room, you'd just talk for hours about polo promotions. That's a, yep. that's a potential That's a potential on the podcast. Let's talk about polos for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up for that. Get them in. There you go. There's let's a go, new show idea right there. Let's go find Jackie. Jackie! <laughs> I'm sure he would come in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's another potential one I mean even if we're, if we're talking about guys in the ICW as single matches for Eddie I mean who oh Eddie could, in ICW who who could you see in the ICW roster past present that Ke- would that could hold the fort with Eddie Kenny Williams mm. I mean he's already booked to face yeah. Rey, he's already booked to face Rey Mysterio at the Fear and Loathing I think he might I, I think he'd put on just as good a match with Eddie I'll give you I'll give you one wrestler that nobody would actually think Mikey Whiplash. Oh, Whiplash. That's Whiplash. Everybody thinks Let's that Whiplash is is this hardcore style wrestler, but see that guy, technical ability, mm-hmm. second to none. It's well, he's, he's he's he is very. He's got a lot. Of, he's got a couple of skills, I think, and, and he's obviously very well in the business. So I I would agree on that one. Whiplash kind of, he's he's his ICW style kind of makes people forget what he's kind of 
yeah, got well, technically. I, I, I watched I watched him fight uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in London, and it was just a clinic. Hold for holds. It was something beautiful. There's another one as well, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, that's Cut, that's, uh, that's Zack Sabre Jr. Jr. Yep. That's that. What about Will Osprey? Osprey, yeah, Rick, uh, I mean, Ricochet. You could talk Ricochet, about all these. You yeah. could you could talk about all these great wrestlers, but the issue is they need to kind of mesh. I mean, we've had yeah. there's been examples you know of think dream be, matches in the past. Actually, that no, just now that you've mentioned ICW, I think maybe not in terms of wrestling skill, but maybe just characters clashing, and if they would put on, if they would entertain the crowd, right? A dream opponent for Eddie could be Grado. Because you know they've got lar- they've both got larger than life characters. I think they would tear up an arena with the uh, with them coming face to face. Not necessarily with what they do in the ring, but maybe you know if they try and they because th- they both sound like people who would uh, complement each other very well with the lie cheat and steal tactics. Well, the thing Gradle's got his critics, but the thing is he can sell he can sell he can sell out arenas in Scotland. I yeah. Mean, uh, Scot- a, Scot- Scottish Wrestling Alliance are he's a captivating personality well, that's what's good about the. that's what's good about Grado SWA are, are promoting his match the with Ryback is, like it's going to be Hogan versus Andre the thing you is, know. is he can wrestle as well well he proved that against it's, Drew it's, it's uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm on the fence with Grado I always have been I've never really liked his that whole gimmicky character mm-hmm. you know and, and but he does bombs and seats there's no doubt about it the guy is class mm-hmm. yeah so I, I, you could kind of see where Dave's coming from I think that would kind of sell it, it would, would kind of sell bombs it would and sell seats. yeah but you know maybe in terms of you're looking for a technical master class it's uh, probably not for you I mean if you're talking about very skilled technical wrestlers obviously Drew Galloway, McIntyre well, Eddie name versus is. Drew that'd be his interesting na- his name comes into him and Drew has went BT Gun, yeah, that's another one as well. BT Gun's obviously coming up. A lot of ICW's top talent would put on a good match with Eddie, I think. I mean, if we were to go with, if we were to pick the fat, if we were to pick five standouts, I mean, you'd get guys like, well, you got, who would you probably say if you picked five from the ICW roster? Grado, Kenny Williams, like Jay said, Mikey, Mikey Whiplash, that'd be a good one. Um, are we saying Drew's ICW or are we saying he's WWE? No, he's not ICW. Right. Well, if you look at past ones, you would say Drew. Well, yeah. if we say past, uh, then we'll say Drew. We'll throw him in there. And then fifth one, maybe either uh, either BT Gun or probably... No, sorry, my mind's blanked here. See, I would, I would go... I would, say Wolf, I, would go, I would say Wolfgang would hold it with him. Wolfgang, I think, in the last year... As well, the most improved guys on the ICW roster. I remember first watching him when I first came in, and he was, he was decent, but he wasn't as polished. But now, since he's getting over the last, Aye. I think that when he got that heel turn last year, I think that reinvigorated his character, and it's obviously improved See, him. I, I think I, I've seen Wolfgang for years, and mm-hmm. he's always had the ability. It's just he's just didn't he know because he was a face. I think he was like for so long, he was always the go-to guy, mm-hmm. um, and he never. It was like, yeah, I'm doing this, and then it, something had, something's clicked when when he, t- he had that heel turn. I mean, there was so many times you could see that BT BT gun feud, you know, and then he joined the NX the the NAK. That for me was a bit weird, and then, but when he joined the NAK, there was a different side to Wolfgang. It was like you awoke a monster. Mm-hmm. It's that that and seeing that against Eddie Guerrero would be something special, I think. 
Uh, yeah, I think that would kind of go really well. I mean, if we're going to... The Wolfgang subject brings us on to, the, obviously, the UK scene. I mean, I think another idea... We could be here, we're here all... We're, there's so many we can go through. We're obviously just yeah. trying to get through as many as we can. I mean, Pete Dunne's a great one. I don't think there's anybody say, that Eddie wouldn't have a great match with from the UK scene. Hmm. Sam Gradwell's not really the best. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Coffey? Oh, that's Yeah, something. there we go. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Ruffling a few feathers here. See... Coffee sits, coffee's one I sit in the fence with. I, I, I'm really being cautious here because I can see Jason across me with that Joe Coffee <laughs> yeah. t-shirt on. Uh, I didn't enjoy his match with Angle last year. Mm, I've enjoyed some of his stuff. I mean, right now, Joe Coffee as a heel is killing it. Oh, he's better as a heel than he was a face. Facey was Facey was just getting a bit bland, I'd say. And I think him and BT Guns are going to be a man sit the hydro. And was that title for title as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, that'll be amazing. Yeah, that's title for title. Uh, how many people are going to walk in here? Yeah, we've got quite a few people coming into the studio here. <laughs> we need to put we need to put on a sign or something. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so back onto that one. Uh, coffee as a heel would be good, but I think Coffee would still do a good match with him. I mean, again, like I just said, they were talking in the UK scene. Uh, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn, definitely. We'd Tyler def- Bate. We definitely go one. Uh, Tyler Bate. Trent Seven. Trent Seven. Uh, anybody from, actually? know anybody of the guys from British Strong Style? The British Strong. Could we see? Could we see some sort of stable? Uh, La Familia Rey Mysterio and the Guerreros versus British Strong Style mm. Mm, how would that kind of how, what would you think about that that sounds interesting mm-hmm. um, Marty Scuttle Marty Scuttle oh that oh, gimmick oh that clash of gimmicks would be brilliant the villain versus the lie cheating steel yeah, oh I, that would how be, good would that be that, oh actually another one just popped to my head Joe Hendry the prestigious, the prestigious Joe Hendry or Joe Hendry no, previously? have to be the prestigious, prestigious Joe Hendry, absolutely prestigious. Like, I mean, what's your opinion on the, pres- the, the the prestigious one gimmicks are a good heel gimmick, I'd say, so it kind of... For, for somebody that never really liked Joe Henry, to he hit that uh, promo at Shugs, I mm. think that was, there was something... There something was cha- change. something changed, there yeah. Was a big change, and I, I, I was always like, me. It was always like a. Joe. It was practically a double turn, wasn't it? Aye. Although Lionheart still acted like a bit of a tweener the second night. Mm. Aye, it's like it was like I don't know. Watching it, it was just like yeah, it's Joe. He obviously had a chip on his shoulder, but you know his 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 uh, intentions were that of a face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of a, that's a one with that type of angle on it. I mean, let's kind of. Again, we've, we've, we've been sitting here for the last 20 minutes and we've come up with various kind of matches on it. I mean, re- is, is Eddie, though, is Eddie better as a face or a heel? Well, there's another one. Let's go, let's go with that one. Face, let's weigh up the po- how Eddie spent most of his WWE career, especially as a heel. Yeah. He really only had that year and a half as a face. But granted, that time as a face, he, he skyrocketed to the top of the main event scene. I mean, we'll open it up there. Heel or face? I prefer, personally, I prefer Face Eddie. Not like, uh, in the terms of the fact that, you know, he gets over with the crowd, he's, uh, he, he can use his lie, cheat, and steal tactics, we'll assume he, he still does that. You know, he does it because he's crafty, he's cunning, sneaky, but, you know, he does it in a playful manner, he doesn't do it in a deceitful manner. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think with a heel... You know, if he was like uh, a heel in the same way that Jerry K.O. was a heel, you know, they were comedic heels, not intense heels. I think a comedic heel, he would he would do fine in that as well. But I think the stint where he was like proper uh, deceitful, diabolical heel during his feud with Rey Mysterio, I found that a bit uncomfortable at times. Right, and okay. I didn't really look at him the same way. 
Okay. So prefer my, my personal opinion is either solid face or playful heel. Okay, that's your opinion. Jay, what you got me? I would like to have seen him as a monster heel. You know, like mm. a, I don't know what it is about wrestling. I really like heels. <laughs> I always have done. <laughs> I always will. But um, there's something he, he became like in that whole era when he had that. Mysterio feud, he was quite savage with it, and I liked that. There was there was a more, it was more intense, and it, it showed you that he had that fire still. And mm. to see that, and for him to be able to run with that, I would have liked to have seen a lot more of that version. See, that's the thing. I wouldn't call that being a monster heel. I think uh, I'd call more that deceitful heel yeah. or intense, like you said, intense yeah. heel. Where I, I when I think monster heel, I think uh, literally huge guy demolishes everybody in literally the most insane manner possible like Braun Strowman Braun Strowman exactly <laughs> or like you know Brock Lesnar you know guys who literally decimate everybody within a matter of minutes you know what I really liked my favourite one of my, my favourite moments with Eddie when he was with China yeah that was good oh he would, that was absolutely was was he really a heel or a face? He, he, was, he, was, he, 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 was he technically was still a heel at that point, but because of how he was trying to serenade her and all that, if he mm. came across as a face. Again, <laughs> play, the, the, playful the, heel. The crowd started taking to him because at that at that point, they didn't really like him. And then when he started getting with China, that's when everybody started. You see that there was like a crowd reaction. It was like they kind of jumped on like the way Daniel Bryan was. It was like it, it caught something and then I think WWE must have forced we're going to run with this and then you seen the changes and the evolution of his character as that had happened because he was more he would, he would strut around and you could see his confidence growing with it as well because he would strut around the ring and he would do his wiggles and he'd be like and then he would do the pauses for the crowd pops and stuff like that as well so I think that was quite interesting yeah because he was kind of like in the well the radicals obviously when he when they all first came in him, Benoit, Malenko, Saturn he kind of it wasn't really. It was kind of a bit more in the background. They didn't really yeah. stand out. I mean, they obviously positioned Ben was the the, be, the the main man in the group, uh, and obviously in Guerrero uh, picked up an injury. I think that kind of pegged them back. But he came back to this type of uh, obviously the, the Latino heat, and obviously as you said, it brought his, I, I think, got his confidence I think that up. That's the the that was a defining moment. Was when he actually got with China. That's that's the you seen his character coming at the forefront mm-hmm. because the, he was kind of in the background and it was only then like you could say like mid card status and it wasn't until that it's time when he started getting main event status because it, they built on a storyline with him trying to get get with her and it went through Raw to Smackdown each week and it would always try and, he was always trying to win her over or win, win her affections and eventually that's how that came about mm-hmm. and see it kind of it was it was good because I thought that was the point China was kind of in a bit of a lull in her career as well so I think it kind of invigorated her for a bit I mean obviously she left the company about 18 months later but it did kind of invigorate to her I mean they kind of worked meshed quite well it was kind of like obviously she it wasn't the role you really had seen her over the time she was there either so it was different obviously Guerrero brought that out in that bit of fun some great moments in that in that that that, partnership as well that's the thing with China they always look to her as, as like she's a big bruiser she's just going to fight the guys and it didn't portray her as a woman in that, in that sense and it, it wasn't to that, that point where you actually seen her with Guerrero that's when they actually like mm-hmm. put it in a, like oh she's a woman and that was quite good as well 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, if we're touching upon obviously these good moments with Guerrero, we're kind of we'll go on. We've obviously in the last twenty odd minutes here, so we'll kind of touch upon that kind of pinnacle of his career is when he won that WWE title. That was huge. Back in two thousand and four, when he beat Lesnar. I mean, I, as I said earlier on the show, I was shocked to kind of see him beat Lesnar at the time because Lesnar had obviously was running through a lot of the roster at that point not to the same level he is now no, but he was running through the because he just beaten I mean he, he beat Undertaker twice the year before didn't he he beat him in 2002 twice not yeah. once sorry, and he beat him in 2003 again in a less convincing fashion he was off that big that great feud with Angle uh, he had beaten he, well to be fair he only beat Hardcore Holly at the Royal Rumble so that wasn't really exactly oh, a big mass he left that, that time because that was the year he was going to Bell. The Undertaker at, at WrestleMania, so yeah, so you you kind of you've got that aspect of it as well. So that was obviously the pinnacle, and then obviously we got the, obviously the he had won the belt and it's, uh, not just the WWE Championship as well. I've got a list of his uh, WWE accomplishments here. He's also uh, United States Champion, two-time European Champion, two-time Intercontinental Champion, and four-time Tag Team Champion twice with Chavo as Los Guerreros once with Rey Mysterio and once with Tajiri oh do you remember him with Tajiri yeah because his his tag team with Tajiri was kind of short lived because I think Chavo was injured at the time and they beat the world's greatest tag team in a ladder match I think he turned heel after he he turned heel on Tajiri I'm sure Aye, I think he beat him up. He turned that one on that one but as you the WWE title was his big one and we obviously got that moment at WrestleMania 20 between yep. him and Chris Benoit. I mean, if you kind of look at it, it's quite, it is quite tragic now. You kind of look at it the way that kind of things have went with it. Yeah. So, did you think? I mean, going back, we we'll go back 13 years. I mean, you think if you'd seen that moment for the first time, you thought these two were going to be at the top of the industry Aye. in 10 years' time? Would have seen it happen. Do well, you, you think that they would still be at the top of? You think? If you were looking at 2014, they two would have still been at the top of the game. Do you think that would have kept it? I mean, that was one. Of, that was a, a, a fight. It, it was like a changing of the the guard type, of the guard, yeah. Type thing, and obviously from the big sweaty men to the yeah. smaller, more technically sound guys. Mm-hmm. And you look, maybe, and you look five years, type five, even five years after, they both they both passed away. You know, did you think? Did you did you think the two of them are going to go on to become big stars? Well, you see, if you, if you look at it, if you look at the the death of Eddie, basically screwed me. Benoit as well because I, I don't think it would he would have done what he did because then he, that's when yeah. Benoit started getting a lot of Benoit took it very badly he, yeah. he took it right bad and at that time he was apparently still talking to Eddie and stuff like that so he mm-hmm. went he, with Eddie dying Benoit went completely one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah. so you think that was kind of an, that's we, obviously we talked in the, lot, the first hour obviously the effects the effects on other people of the of Eddie's death. You think Ben will be coming to that category then? Aye, I, I don't I think, think. Yeah, Ben was stuck in. Now that you brought a, it up, there's a possi- there's a possibility that that if if Eddie didn't die, Ben wouldn't have went the way he went. Which is tragic enough in itself. You know, he might have been able to keep a lid on it. On the flip side, though, Ben wrestling style was quite dangerous in the fact that you know every time he did his diving headbutt. He would. Uh, he suffered multiple. He's, he suffered multiple concussions from doing the diving headbutt, and uh, from what uh, like his medical report was saying, he suffered uh, 
so much brain damage that it was as bad as like a 70 year old Alzheimer's painting. Yeah. So I think I think maybe if Benoit had stopped doing the diving headbutt that would be a contributing factor but may not have been the defining one but I think Eddie's death was definitely the the, uh, the, catalyst. the catalyst that sort of pushed him over the edge a bit because I think Benoit probably would have had to retire anyway because yeah. of his if they didn't have if they because again Benoit's death resulted in their in the company uh, doing the whole um, wellness policy uh, stuff where it would look at those uh, taking certain drugs or medication and also they brought in the whole concussion uh, safety procedures like the headshots with steel chairs were banned blading was banned so no excessive blood loss anymore and that's when the product went PG as well I think that I think that was practically down to the FBI and an Ori yeah. <laughs> they had a lot of investigations at that point uh -huh, like Larry King was involved there was a yeah. proper full blown uh, investigation into it it was quite nasty uh, just uh, I forgot to mention one thing as well like when Eddie won the WWE Championship it also made him become the 11th ever triple crown champion right and also the sixth grand slam champion is that your stat of the week yep uh, you could have mentioned that we could have done some sort of big build up like even a wee thing do I'll, I'll do that for, of the I'll, I'll do that for, squad <laughs> I'll do that for next time I was expecting some sort of elaborate thing like Eddie was the, yeah, Eddie was the first man to do the triple that, the triple suplex see, <laughs> see if you think about that that match that, that he won the title with that that had everything in, in that match as well mm -hmm. I mean I, I remember, I remember, I remember like watching it like being up and I was always rooting for Eddie at that, po at that point and, and at times I thought that he'd that he was losing it and then it's like he kicks it and he's like oh lord you're, you're sitting there like you're getting <laughs> involved in it and it's like it's about three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning you're sitting screaming at the telly and, and you're not remembering neighbours and stuff like that you know <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like ah and then it's like eventually it happened I, I think I could properly say I actually had tears in my eyes watching that match because of how how it had ended with, with Ben Walker coming and greeting and you know it was it was such a it was such a, a match it was emotionally draining I think mm -hmm. yeah I pretty much had everything you know and obviously it was a great I mean you would have hoped that it wouldn't have been one of his last great he was only title reigns but sadly that probably was the case so see as we come towards the end of our show we kind of just will bring up to the aspect of where would Eddie kind of lie in the all time greats I mean there's a bit there's a lot of talk is, is he up there I mean was he is was the tragicness of his death the only reason people respect him so highly you know where would they kind of come nah, in the all time greats type idea I think even without his death he was arguably best of the best not just in terms of his in ring performances but also his personality you know mm -hmm. he connected with the crowd whether he was cheered as a face or booed as a heel he was brilliant mm -hmm. I think he was only the, the, the one guy that could actually turn the crowd whether you love or hate him you know he could he had that ability to be able to off cuff think of something that would make make get a reaction mm. you know and not a lot of, not a lot of wrestlers can do that right now yeah it's, it's kind of a, it's a you think of it a lot of people think of it as a lost type of art you know what i mean because everything's so rigid now in the current uh, especially in wwe especially everything's a lot rigid they don't really get to go off the cuff as much I mean, having yeah. somebody who's got that charisma. I suppose in recent Eddie times, they've, it's, in recent times they've kind of gone off the cuff a bit, but only with certain people. 
like you know they break the fourth wall in certain areas and uh, yeah but you need to be you need to have already got yourself high up in the the classifications of the the higher ups oh Eddie would I think Eddie was already there to begin with you know he was him him and Vince were like best pals and stuff Mm -hmm. they got along great I mean I don't think there's anybody as far as I can tell who anything bad to say about him whether it was other superstars or management but they, I think they were also aware of the fact you know he was a, a recovering addict and it was um, I think they just tried to put that behind them there's a great tribute there was a great tribute video that WWE did where you kind of well, just after he passed away and you can kind of they showed a bit where he, after he'd won the belt he went through the cut is that the one with uh, three doors down I think it was that one yeah and you can kind of see However, all the different people in the back react to I mean, obviously there's Ray there, there's yeah. Travels, a few other people. He goes to Vince and that type of stuff. You could just see how well liked he was and how he much went to he Vince meant. when he won the title and he basically gave him the biggest hug. That's yeah. how popular he was. So that's the type of thing. It wasn't like he was disliked in the behind the scenes. He was well liked behind the scenes, which kind of makes it all the more worse. So I mean, if we're gonna let's 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 theoretically talk about this to kind of finish it off. I mean, if you were to have a top ten wrestlers of all time would he be up there easily you know? in the top 5 mm-hmm. would you say he's in the top 5 yeah. I'd say he's maybe top 10 I would go with if okay. I was going with it, you well know? I think if we're putting if we're taking everything into consideration like not just wrestling ability but also personality was he well liked uh, the history of his uh, association with the business I mm-hmm. think if you put all that together he's definitely top five at least I would say he's top ten I would say he's up there you know just because of what he brought you know and he was, he was really he was really good it's a shame it took till that length that part of his career to really show up uh-huh. so we all agree he's probably up, he's probably in, a, he's in top ten I'd put him maybe four or five four or five right yeah cool. I, I would say, I'd say I'd say top, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a ranking I'd be, all here, all, we'd be, I'd be here another an hour if I had to try and get a top ten that's yeah. something we can come up with in a completely different show but so yeah that's essentially us that's us done our relaunch show and we've not broke anything yeah luckily <laughs> your spirit nearly broke at the start David. yeah that was about it with that. I think that was the only thing yeah I broke my spirit at the start don't worry now that the shield's back together people are going to start liking you as a Roman Reigns character again then, oh. gonna, then it's going to break apart and you're going to get booed out the building I've, I don't <laughs> want that to be something I get used to <laughs> I mean sure I can divide opinions and stuff but I mean I'm nowhere near as good looking as Roman Reigns I love how that's the thing that you go with not the fact not the fact that you're disliked it's the fact like oh I don't have the same look as Roman yeah <laughs> I don't have that rugged Samoan beard and big tattoos <laughs> uh, uh, I'll just be known as uh, I'll be known as the analyst from now on like I was in the uh, the original incarnation of Jay, the show as well as Dave getting a start of the week he also gets a once at least one slagging a week which is quite fun it's quite, yeah. it, it lets you lets you build your creative genes up so so yeah that's the first relaunch podcast of our show sorry of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet as part of the U Fusion Takeover Radio uh, we'll be here every every Wednesday from 5.30 to 7 giving similar shows every week we're not just about doing reviews we're all about being creative yeah and if you have any topics uh, we'd like to discuss on the show you can uh, follow us uh, at Fusion Takeover on Facebook uh, Fusion underscore Takeover Fusion underscore Takeover if you're going to say, hashtag, gonna say it, get it right okay sorry <laughs> should have it written down but yeah follow Analyst. us uh, Fusion underscore Takeover on Facebook and uh, Send us some messages, uh, add any topics we'd like to discuss, and we'll uh, we'll save it for a future show. Following on from us, we've got the Wednesday wind down with Sarah Quinn, who's who's now just 
returned to the studio for the first time in many years. So hopefully it goes well. Uh, but from the guys at He Sleeps Suplex Retreat, I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm David Hockney. I'm Jay Gallagher. And this has been, let's just say, Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. Thank you and good night.